Welcome to The Difference, a podcast that sits at the intersection of politics and economics. Main Street, your street, and Wall Street and K Street all rolled into one. I'm Dan O'Donnell, political talk show host, joined by the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. And this week, Dave, we record this Mondays, so we're still a day away from the New Hampshire primary. But yesterday, Ron DeSantis dropped out of the presidential race, leaving just Nikki Haley and Donald Trump competing for the Republican nomination. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are many people who think that Nikki Haley is actually going to win the New Hampshire primary. Even if she does, there's really not a path. There really isn't, especially with DeSantis dropping out. His support is almost all going going to go to Donald Trump. In fact, he said in his video message that we, you know, need to all rally around Donald Trump. We yep. can't go backwards to Nikki Haley mm-hmm. and her warmed over brand of corporatism. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even though the next state, South Carolina, is Haley's home state, she is polling well behind Donald Trump. And I would expect that she drops out if she doesn't win the New Hampshire primary. In not only New Hampshire, if she got beat in her own home state, it would be the death knell for sure. Well, my guess is that she drops out, so yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that would just be that would be my sense as someone who follows this. Mm. It, it's sort of it's the same, I think, rationale that drove Ron DeSantis out of the race right before New Hampshire. It's not his home state by any stretch, but he understood that it would look bad if he got absolutely shellacked, mm-hmm. which he was going to. I mean, this was essentially a two-horse race between Haley and Trump. He was polling at 6-8%. If he has that poor of a showing and then sort of goes out with his tail between his legs, it just doesn't look good moving forward. Especially so when he's talking about 2028. probably Haley uh, do the exact same thing, unless, of course, she pulls off the upset in New Hampshire. But the reality is, and I think everyone has sort of known this for the better part of eight, nine months now, is that we're looking at right now a rematch between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I know you're one who I know. believes well, that I Biden, owe you a hundred bucks. All right. I'll get, let's you're get one it who off. believes. Yeah, yeah, that believe. Well, I'm still not. I'm still not willing to claim victory just yet. Right. Dave and I bet whether or not Biden was going to be the nominee. And Dave, I think, very correctly surmised that Biden is uniquely weak as an incumbent and that he would be replaced on the ticket or that he would make an announcement at some point in late 2023 that for the good of the country, he's going to step aside and that he is going to be, you know, magnanimous, but his 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 mental health and his physical health aren't going to allow him to uh, continue. Did you see uh, Gavin Newsom on Politically Incorrect this past weekend? You should, you should, no, I, I didn't. I mean, the guy, the guy, if you're a dumb, you might be your guy. You should you should see it. Just YouTube it. He really, okay. he, he really is. He thinks he's JFK. Oh, yeah. Oh, he clearly does. Yeah. And I mean, he was all over social media gloating about the fact that Ron DeSantis is out of the race. Now, it doesn't change the fact in that televised debate that DeSantis absolutely mopped the floor with Newsom. But here's the, the, the big problem that I saw Democrats running into if they were going to replace Biden at the top of the ticket, and that's Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. They clearly want Gavin Newsom because of the JFK factor. He just looks and acts presidential. He he is straight out of central casting. But Kamala Harris 
is seen as the heir apparent. And let's not kid ourselves. The fact that Democrats would be stepping over a black woman to nominate a white man would look really, really, really bad. If this went into an open primary, you don't think Kamala Harris would just step aside (laughs) graciously. She would fight like heck to be president of the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to claim victory, however, because if this is going to happen, if this this plan that you're you're very strongly uh, you very strongly believe is going to happen it's going to happen at convention that uh, democrats will because there wouldn't be enough time to essentially mount a campaign democrats would simply move joe aside Right. They would say, "Okay, Joe. But they did. They did last time through. You remember this four years ago. I think Biden might have taken six. There's some crazy number uh, in in Iowa. And they got to South Carolina and they said, sorry, Bernie, ain't going to happen. Yeah. Right. No, but it's it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to do as the sitting president of the United States. That's right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So there's a lot more to it. They somehow have to get to Biden and make it, you know, clear to him. Yeah. Yeah, That I don't know if it's, hey, your your 'er ne'er-do-well son can either spend the rest (laughs) of his life in prison or you step aside or what it is. But they have to figure out a way also. And I'm, I'm firmly convinced the reason this hasn't happened yet is because of the Kamala Harris problem. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is less popular, if you can believe that, than Joe Biden. How do you get to Gavin Newsom, who's not even in the White House, he's not a cabinet secretary or anything like that, how do you get to him while stepping over Kamala Harris? Yep, right. Well, you know, and think about Biden, you talk about his unpopularity. You know, one of those things is because of the economics in this country, Dan, and you look at some work that you've done on inflation and, and it's right. really, it's staggering. It is. So, you know, Rick Santelli, we love Rick Santelli, CNBC host. He was the one who first coined the idea of the Tea Party movement. Right. He said he was going to take some derivatives and throw them into Boston Harbor in a new <laughs> Tea Party. Well, people took that in 2000, what, 10, 2009, yeah. 2010, and they started the Tea Party movement. Here's what he said on a show last week. If you take core CPI, the actual index, Consumer Price Index, which is seasonally adjusted. The read there is 313.2116. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to me, though. That's the highest it's ever been. Now, remember, the Bureau of Labor Statistics brings out the number. Go to their website. When did COVID start? March of 2020. Yep. Go on the website. Look at CPI Inflation Calculator. You put in February of 2020. What you'll find is it takes $1.19 of November 23 to buy what bought a dollar pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, that's another way of saying four years ago, the economy was humming along. And what's the fundamental question every four years? Ronald Reagan very famously asked in the final 1980 presidential debate, are you better off than you were four years ago? If you answer yes, vote for Jimmy Carter. If you answer no, well, then I, th- I could suggest a different path. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Today, Americans' purchasing power has been diluted to the point where a dollar has 19% less value than it did in January of 2020. Now, put another way, 
the average American household expenditures are $72,967, okay? A 19% increase from pre-COVID 2020, literally four years ago, January 2020, means it is costing Americans $13,863.73 more to buy the same stuff and to maintain the same lifestyles that they had in January of 2020. And I know a lot of those numbers, when you get to even numbers in the tens of thousands, it's sort of hard to wrap your mind around. So I want you to think about your own annual household budget. Think about your annual monthly budget. Mortgage, car payment, groceries, utilities, all of it. You got an idea in your head what your mortgage costs, what your car payments cost, all of that. Now imagine you had an extra expense of $1,155.33. Now, that might be pretty difficult to cover, right? You might have to dip into your savings. Now imagine the same $1,155.31 expense every single month. That's what you're paying on average in the cost of inflation. Now, breaking that down even further, it comes out to $266.61 in additional expense every single week. Or... $37.98 per day every single day of the year. You are paying $37. Think of it as an inflation toll. You're paying $38 a day in that toll called inflation every single day of your life. That's the ultimate cost of Bidenomics and the ultimate answer to the ultimate political question of, are you or are you better off now than you were four years ago? And I think $38 a day that you have to pay in the cost of inflation would suggest no, correct? Are you asking me that question? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? So I mean, it's it's sort of a hypothetical question, but right. sort of not. I mean, if someone shows up every day and says, give me my 40 bucks, they're standing at the door every single day. I mean, it's like Tony Soprano <laughs> showing up and you got to pay them blood money. But no, and that's really what it is. But you have to say, has there been anyone on the other side of that? You know, has the price of your home gone up? Has your 401k gone up? That is part of it that we have to talk about. But there's no question that monetary policy and fiscal policy, and you'll remember, I was pounding the table that said, first of all, the Federal Reserve needs to stop with their easy money policy. And and if they don't, I mean, there was no reason for them to continue to buy mortgage-backed securities when the housing market was out of control. Houses were getting 15 offers. And so that continued on. So they stayed too late. They kept putting money into the market. And then on top of it, you add the fiscal policy. That was just pouring trillions of dollars into the economy. And that is the backdrop of the inflationary story. And you put that in there, of course, there was supply chain issues. But those two things are really the driver. If you look back historically, what drove inflation is monetary policy and fiscal policy. Now, the Federal Reserve right now has raised rates. Now, what are they going to do in 2024? They're highly likely, almost guaranteed, that they will 
lower interest rates in 2024. How many times and how much yet to be seen. But they have to somehow get to an equilibrium of where the market is, which is 100, 150 points lower than where it is today. In other words, the Federal Reserve is at about five and a quarter to five and a half. The 10-year Treasury is about one and a half percent less than that. There's, it has to be some type of equilibrium. So as interest rates come back down, why are they doing it? Are they doing it because they think they've got inflation under control? Or are they doing it because the economy is beginning to slow down? That, to me, is going to be the story in 2024. If you have a further deterioration of the economy going into the election, that is generally the death knell for the incumbent. And so that is what we're going to look at, and we're starting to see it. In fact, we've had rolling recessions over the last two years. You know, We didn't get to the GDP back-to-back quarters definition, but we had rolling recessions in manufacturing, 13 straight months of negative GDP. You saw it right. in the housing market. So we've had rolling recessions. Does that translate to a bigger economic recession in the United States? Likely going to see some type of slowing. In fact, the self-described bond king, Jeffrey Gunlock, says he sees a 75% chance of a recession in the next 18 months. If that happens, again, that'll be the story to which Donald Trump can pound the table on. Yeah, and that's going to be, I think, what fundamentally this election is going to be about. Strip away, of course, all of Trump's legal issues and the the, 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 the hysterics over the threats to democracy. Immigration and economics. Yeah, immigration. let's Let's not take that out of the equation because I think people are, just as they were in 2016, absolutely fed up with unfettered illegal immigration and the idea that our country is just being allowed to be overrun by people who are bankrupting America's cities. Don't take my word for that. Listen to the Democrat mayors of Chicago and New York who say, look, we can't afford the unending flow of illegal immigrants coming into this. Yes, I think that's going to be the primary issue. But ultimately, Reagan's question from 44 years ago is a prescient one, and that is, are you better off than you were four years ago? And if enough people answer in the negative, then they're going to be willing to overlook all manner of Donald Trump sins in order to get back to where the economy was. And if that happens, Dan, that is the reason why you have to be positioned correctly. Last week alone, we saw some major moves from companies that had great earnings reports, and that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. you got to get to it. Make sure that you know what you own. What, why is it in your portfolio, and how much am I paying for it? And you can get that done, AnnexWealth.com. For Dave Spano, he's the president and CEO of Annex. I'm Dan O'Donnell. Thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be considered as tax, legal, or investment advice, or recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.